0: I'm going to be preaching for the book of Jonah. If you want to follow along in your Bible, you can open up to Jonah. And this is not going to be uh, maybe your uh, 10-verse, 3-point expository sermon, because Jonah is such a good story from beginning to end, and it's quick enough. I prefer to preach through the entire book. So this is going to be your 30,000-foot view, chapters 1 through 4, the whole book of Jonah. And tonight, I'm going to preach on Philemon, believe it or not, the entire book of 25 verses. So by the end of today, if you attend both services, you've already been through two books of the entire Bible. So congratulations. Well, for, uh, for Jonah, I was reminded of an uh, episode from the Andy Griffith Show. Opie Taylor is wanting to run away from home. And Andy, you know Andy, he's one step ahead of whoever's trying to scheme him. He's saying, look, man, all you need to do is just tell me, and I'll help you pack your bags, all right? I'll help you get where you're going, okay? So he's already got one step ahead of Opa. You just let me know. I'll help you pack your bags, and we'll get you on the way. And I feel that somehow Jonah does not realize that in the same way that Sheriff Taylor is three steps ahead of him, so his heavenly Father has already made plans to ruin his escape. And for today, I want you to realize that as Jonah is fleeing from Nineveh, maybe you are too. So today I want to ask you, what is your Nineveh? If you join me in verses 1 through 3. Book of Jonah. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, saying, Arise, Go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. I want you to know something about Nineveh. The first thing I want you to know is actually that Nineveh is very scary. At this time, Jonah's written around, most people think somewhere in the 8th century B.C. So somewhere 700 to 800 years before Jesus is the time that the book of Jonah is written. Well, around 720 B.C., the Assyrian Empire decides they want to set their sights on the kingdom of Israel. That's the northern kingdom of Israel, and they're going to totally decimate it. So 720 B.C., the Assyrian Empire comes in, disbands all the tribes of Israel, crushes all their cities, burns them to the ground, takes all their men, either gets rid of them or take them into slavery, and you know the same for the women and the children. And this is the empire that Jonah is called to preach against. This is not just dislike for Nineveh. Jonah's not trying to get away because he just doesn't like how the weather is in Nineveh this time of year. It's because these people are terrifying. These people are the chief enemy. They have just crushed his civilization. They have murdered his people. Who knows? He is probably a peer of one in this circumstance. He has gotten away because God has preserved his life, and now God is calling him to go to the capital of evil and to step on their toes. This is basically, you know, actually, Nineveh is the capital of the Neo-Assyrian Empire. And for a few decades, it is the largest city in the ancient world. This, he ain't playing around. God telling Jonah, go to Nineveh is like saying, I'd really like you to die just in a really fancy way in the capital. Jonah is having none of it. He is not a fan of dying just yet. So that's why he flees. It's not just dislike. Nineveh is pretty scary. What's your Nineveh? It may be pretty scary. So this chief enemy, chief of terrible things, God still says, you got to go. Noah tries to escape. Now, this is not going to work, obviously. And let me explain this to you. A little bit of geography. Nineveh is from his location. If he's close to Joppa, it's about northeast. uh, Let's see, in your direction, northeast would be this way. I don't know, a few weeks inland. Modern-day Iraq, somewhere around there. Tarshish. What most people think is a port in Spain. So to these people, in other words, northeast to west, and not just west, Tarshish is the last point in the known earth. Past Tarshish, they don't know what's out there. Maybe a cliff and all the boats fall off the earth. We don't know. But what Jonah is trying to do here by going to Tarshish is saying... rather than take the few weeks journey in land, I would rather go to the furthest point on earth than to do what you have called me to do. And this right here, ladies and gentlemen, this is a prophet of God, and he's running as far away as he can. When I ask you what's your Nineveh, the point then is what I'm saying. What are you running away from that you should be confronting? What's scary in your life that you are probably trying your best to get away from. That's Nineveh. What is it? Let's look at verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of She-oh, I cried, and you heard my voice. The first thing I wanted you to know is that Nineveh is scary, but I also want you to know that God is good. God is good. The Lord provided Jonah's rescue. It wasn't random, in other words. The Bible doesn't say that the fish just kind of saw him and was like, oh, that looks like a tasty meal. No. It says that the Lord appointed this thing to come get Jonah, it was on purpose. So even while Jonah is retreating from God, God provides for his safe return. And you know, some of you, you may feel like that yourself. Some of us fleeing from God, trying our best to get away from what he wants us to do. trying our best to just be left alone from God. Some of us just trying to run away and doing what we're, we know what we're not supposed to do. And we wouldn't dare turn around and go the other way because it feels like God is hot on our trail. And if he catches up to us, he's going to squash us. In Jonah, that is not how God operates. God provided, not the punishment of this fish, the rescue mission of this fish. God provided, in other words, a vehicle for salvation. I want you all to wrap your minds around this, because in... And I guess around the 1700s, 1800s, people started getting really interested in naturalism and natural science and stuff. And so they started to go, well, what is this fish? You know, it's gotta be like a whale because a whale's big enough to swallow them. And then someone decided, wait a minute, whale's a mammal. It doesn't say mammal, it says fish. As if the biblical writer, you know, knew what the word mammal meant in the eighth you know, century BC. And those kind of questions are missing the point of what the author's trying to tell you this. All right, follow me here. Can you say the word dog? Not dog, dog, can you try that? Dog, can you try it? Dog, all right. Dog, gadol. Dog, gadol. Dog, gadol means great fish in Hebrew. All right, now how about gadah? Try gadah. Very good. Dog is a male fish. Gadah is a female fish. Did you know in Jonah, when God appoints this fish, it is a dog. When Jonah prays inside of its belly, it is a gadah. It is a female fish. And when the whale fish... Oh, God help me. When this thing is done with Jonah, and God tells it to put him back on the shore... It is a dog. It is male. Can you think, if you've got your literary thinking caps on, why would the Holy Spirit inspire these words to transform from male to female to male? If Jonah is in the belly, the whale is trying to tell you, whale, Lord have mercy, help me. For the longest time, I I despise this debate. If it's a whale or a fish, I despise it. While Jonah is inside of this thing, it's described as female, in other words, that it should be pregnant with the prophet of God. Why? Because the purpose here is not that Jonah is just having this fanciful ride inside of a sea creature. It's that Jonah is being reborn. You remember when someone is asking Jesus for a sign, and Jesus says, look here, man. You know, a wicked and adulterous generation, that's the kind of people that want a sign, something fancy. The only thing coming to you is the sign of Jonah. And obviously, Jesus is not telling people, Look, if you want to know about me, all I'm gonna tell you is that there's a giant, you know, dag coming to get you. No, it has nothing to do with it. the sign of Jonah is this. You should be expecting resurrection, a rebirth. And what, of course, does Jesus say to Nicodemus? You must be born again. Jonah, right here at the beginning of chapter 2, is telling you, although we don't, we're not you know, in this Hebrew going back and forth between you know, genders, what he's trying to tell you is Jonah is going to be born again. He's going the wrong direction. He is going to turn around, be born again. And go the right direction that God has appointed him to go. And that's what you, when you're thinking about what is your Nineveh, if you don't know God, if you wouldn't say I'm a Christian, if you wouldn't say that I know Jesus, then, I mean, operatus, like, number one for you is this, simply this. To turn around and go the other direction. The Bible calls that repentance. To stop going, fleeing from God, Turn around. He's not going to squash you. God is going to help you in this return. Turn around. Go towards God, and what the Bible would say is repent and believe. In other words, repentance, turn around, but then believe. Trust that Jesus is who he says he is. Dying on the cross in your place, therefore taking your sin, so that God will look at you as good, forgive you, and count you as righteous. Believing in him, in other words, that you would be somehow in this vehicle of salvation, you would be saved through this ordeal. God does this over and over again. Think of this, a basket on a river in Egypt. Salvation through the waters. An ark floating on the flood water. Salvation through waters. Sending a dog gadol to rescue this man from the abyss. Salvation through the waters. And that's what you do right back here, by the way. You get in the water symbolically to wash and to be saved. So, Nineveh is scary, but God is good. And what he's doing here with this gadol is he's rebirthing Jonah. There's a resurrection at hand. All right, go to verse 10. Oh, this is chapter 2, verse 10, by the way. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah upon the dry land. So Jonah is safe on dry land. I mean, he's dead meat, but God has appointed him in the right direction. And that's the way to, uh, you know, to end a chapter right there. If you've ever watched, you know, any kind of uh, t- series on like uh, any streaming service, and you TV shows love to do this. At the end of a, at the end of a season, cliffhanger. And here you go in Jonah. The end of this chapter is really good. It's really a nice close because not only is it, it's not a cliffhanger. I don't know what, Jonah's got his feet on dry land. He should have been dead. He should have been gone. He was going the wrong direction. He's going right. At the end of every day, I want you to be able to say the same thing. It's not a cliffhanger. My feet are on the right direction. Oh, I'm not perfect. I smell like seafood. But my feet are on dry land. I'm going in the right direction. I'm where God wants me to be, and I can be confident that whatever comes tomorrow, I'm in the right direction. Man, that's the way to close a chapter. That's the way to close a day in your life, too. All right, let's go over here, verse uh, chapter three, verse one through three. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. That's the key, the second time, saying, "Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city." and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. All right, Nineveh is scary, but Nineveh is inevitable. It must happen, and it will happen, because God has willed it. So Nineveh's going to show up in your life. What is your Nineveh? It's going to happen. And words of some financial people, pay me now or just pay me later. Payment will happen. Nineveh is inevitable. I'm reminded of um, this great uh, martial arts legend named Master Ugwe, who said, One often meets his destiny on the road he takes to avoid it. And so Jonah, trying his best to go to the furthest point on earth from where God wants him to be, has somehow found his way to the very place he did not want to go. You must go to Nineveh. And Nineveh's not leaving. So what is your Nineveh? you got to go. Verses 4-6. through six. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. And he called out, hey, 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now this is, uh, this is something to say to the people that Have either just overthrown his entire civilization or are just about to do it. You got 40 days, and God's going to come in here and burn this place to the ground. Dude, what are you talking about? We just burned your civilization to the ground. You got nothing on us. But that's not the end. And the people of Nineveh believed God. Now, here's a change. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. The word reached the king of Nineveh and he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in his ashes. There is something, a plot twist. Jonah, he stepped right in the middle of this scary place. He stepped on everybody's toes, but God was involved. So the people listened. Again, if they have just destroyed his civilization, there's no reason for them to listen to this man who who smells like the seafood department of your grocery store. They they should not pay him respect, but God told him to do it. So God was involved, so they listened. If God has, in other words, told him to do this and then sent him some kind of vehicle when he's trying his best to just die, God's somehow rescuing him, bringing him back. I don't think God is going to let this mission fail. If God wants it to succeed, it will. So the people had to listen. They have a change of heart. If you're starting to think of something in your life, kind of like chapter 3, verse 1, in other words, something coming to you a second time. You really need to do this. Uh, you really need to do this. Uh. Maybe I'll go to Tarshish in my life. Eh, maybe you need to do this. God's going to do it. And he's going to succeed. I remember this, this quote from uh, Julio Jones when he was being recruited by the, you know, the emperor, Nick Saban. And Julio Jones basically said that Nick Saban was in his, in his house and he's sitting across from him and and. He said, it wasn't a complicated pitch. It wasn't, you know, this, this really needy, like, listen, man, Julio, you're, you're the number one, you know, ranked wide receiver in the country, or the best at least in the state of Alabama, and we've got to have you. And if we don't, if you don't come here, I don't, you know, we're going to have to try our best. I bet we'll still win, but we've got to have you if we're going to win. That wasn't Nick Saban's pitch. Nick Saban basically just said this to Julio Jones. He's in his living room with his mama right beside him. Listen here. Alabama is going to win with you or without you. And all you need to decide is what sideline you're going to be on and watch when it happens. I'm going to tell you something. When God has told you to do something, to go to a Nineveh, God's going to win. It's going to happen. All you need to decide is, is what sideline you're going to be on when it happens. Do you want to be on the one watching it happen, or do you want to be on the sideline doing it? That's up to you. Nineveh is inevitable, and God's going to make it happen. So God didn't turn around Jonah for him to fail. These people are going to listen. Think about that when I say, what is your Nineveh? All right, verse 10, chapter 3. When God saw what they did, this repentance, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. So I'm going to tell you this. Nineveh needs you. It's inevitable. It's scary, but Nineveh needs you. God wouldn't call you to it if there wasn't a need. Nineveh needs you. And I don't encourage you to go to Nineveh so you can check it off your list. Like, I did a good thing today, man. I was great. I get the glory. Oh, maybe glory to God, but I did this Nineveh thing. No, man. I mean, I want you to go to Nineveh because Nineveh is in trouble. And it needs you. Whatever it is in your life, there is some Nineveh. It absolutely needs you to go to it. That's why God is saying go. And God cares about Nineveh, so you should too. What is your Nineveh? Let's go to chapter 4. Tell y'all we are going to finish the whole book today. Verses 1-3. through three. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. and He was very angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, isn't this what I said when I was in my country? This is what I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and you relent from disaster. Therefore now, O oh Lord... Please, take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you will be well to angry? Are you serious that you should be so angry? Jonah knows the awful things that these people in Nineveh are capable of. He wants God to spank them. He does not want Nineveh saved. That's another reason, by the way, that he would like to flee to Tarshish. Why would I go over here and help these people? I because God, I know that you're a merciful God. And I know that you're slow to anger. And God, I know that you are abounding in steadfast love. And that's not what I want for these people. I want these people to get it. They burn my civilization to the ground. I don't want them saved. Nineveh, you may not like Nineveh. There's your point. You may not like Nineveh. Because it is scary. And it is inevitable. You may not like it. You, think, you really think that Nineveh needs a whooping. Probably. When you're thinking of your Nineveh in your life, that's probably something or somebody that needs a whooping. And if you feel the call to attend to someone, to make peace with somebody... Maybe it's to confront somebody about something they've been doing wrong. And you keep saying no, you know, because you're thinking I want them to come to their senses. I want God to somehow come out and spank them. I want them to live out the full realization of their error, whatever it is. You've got to remember something that God is slow to anger and he's merciful and he's abounding in steadfast love. It may not be your will that the Nineveh in your life would come to repentance or that would be shown favor, kind of like a prodigal son. Why should he come back and be favored? Why should we celebrate his return? But it is the will of God that they will be saved. As Peter would say, God doesn't wish that any would perish. It is the will of God that everybody would come to repentance, including Nineveh. Nineveh is scary, Nineveh is inevitable. You may not like Nineveh. Let me re- phrase for you um, verses 5 through 8. Jonah's done talking to him, so he goes out of the city. He sits down, and he, I get the picture. He kind of puts down his, his lawn chair, you know, and sort of like sits back and just waits and goes, all right, I'm ready to see the fireworks, because he wants to see this thing vanquished. And so he's sitting there kind of hoping to see that, that God would change his mind And what God does is, because he's merciful, he sees that Jonah's out in the hot sun. It's not very fun in northern Iraq. So God grows up a plant very quickly. Provides some shade to Jonah. Here you go, while you're waiting on this city's demise, why don't you just at least sit in the shade for a while? Thanks, God, this is great. All right, next day, here's a worm on the leaf. Eats the whole plant. Ah! Ah! Now I'm in the sun. Again, northern Iraq, this isn't very fun, God. And so now he's he's mad and he starts to to give God the what for. In verse 9, but God said to Jonah, do you do do well to be angry for this plant? And he said, yeah, it's good that I'm angry. I'm angry enough to die. And the Lord said, look, you pity the plant, and you didn't even labor for it. You didn't make it grow. Came into being in a night, perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, more than 120,000 people? He's saying, why are you worried about a plant that you didn't even grow? This thing just came up, and you're acting like you care about it. Here's the deal. I planted Nineveh. I grew those people. I've got a lot more skin in this game than you do, Jonah. You're worried about the plant because it provided you shade. I'm worried about the people in Nineveh because they're my children. I didn't send you this way for them to perish. I want them saved too. And I'm going to do it. The last point about Nineveh is simply this, that God cares about Nineveh. Nineveh is scary, you may not like Nineveh, and Nineveh is inevitable. But God is good, and God cares about Nineveh, so you should too. What is your Nineveh? If you've been following along, you probably realize the real question is, who is your Nineveh? You better go to him. So, you know, Opie Taylor decides he does want to run away. And, you know, hey, Paul, I'm getting ready to run away. Shouldn't you know, I tell you beforehand? Listen, what you got to do is you got to write a letter. That's how you run away. You write a letter and then you leave it and let the people read it and figure out where you have Because, look, if you, if you just tell me, then we'll know where you're at. So write the letter get out of Dodge and then we won't know how to get to you. He said, okay, but one problem, I can't write. No problem, Opie, I'll write for you. So here goes, you know, Sheriff Taylor gets the pen out and starts to write, dear Paul, I will never see you again. And Opie jumps off the bed like, well, what do you mean never see you again? Well, you're trying to run away. What do you expect? I'll never see you again. I don't know where you're going. Well, I don't want that, Paul. I want to be with you. Well, yeah, I'll be right here. Then I'm going to stay. Great. And we have the tendency, this OP heart of ours, hoping maybe it'd be fun to run away. None of us too far inland and too scary. And maybe Tarshish. Uh, maybe that's a better option. Maybe I'd rather run to the end of the earth. Eh. Your heavenly father is still right where he always was. He's not leaving. And you may try. Jonah says this. It would be better for you to just do it now than to do it later. God's going to have his way. And to take a word from Saban, you just need to decide what sideline you're going to be on when it happens. Who's your Nineveh? Go get them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this word that you give us in the book of Jonah. How You've given us an example of a second chance. Second chance of Jonah to get it right. A second chance of the people of Nineveh. And we can see ourselves in so many of these people. We can see ourselves of the the, the Ninevites, that, w- that we were in the wrong and, and we, need, we need someone to give us the word that, that God still loves us and that we should return to Him and that we should respond in kind. Well, maybe we're a Jonah that knows exactly what we should do and we just need to turn around and get it done. Lord, I ask you for the strength to, to fulfill this desire of yours that we would in our lives reflect your kingdom. Do exactly what we're supposed to do. Do it with joy and do it with a power that we know only you can give. I ask all this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Folks, the, the book of Jonah is very simple. It's a second chance. God, you can get caught up in the, the dogadol. What is this fish? It's a rescue mission. And some of you, if you need that in your life, I want to offer that to you right now. That Jesus came into the world to be not a punishment, but a rescue mission. He took your punishment before God. And so you have the chance now, if you don't know Jesus, to turn away, like Jonah. Turn back, believe on Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. I offer that to you now while we sing. I'll be here to receive you. If you'd like to talk about that, I'd love to talk to you.